0: Hey, I'm Elissa Nicole Trust, an actor and writer based in New York
1: City. I'm Lauren Schaffel, an actor and producer also living in New York City. And we are Positive Creativity Podcast. Positive Creativity is a podcast where we speak with artists from all disciplines about how they got their start, what's inspiring them, and how they stay positive in the entertainment industry. We speak with artists based in New York, LA, and beyond.
0: Our goal is to give creative artists a platform to share their experiences and talk about their work. We hope that our listeners will enjoy the insights, stories, and perspectives from a diverse group of artists from all sides of the industry. Thanks
1: for listening. Bretton Tyner Bryan is a multi-award-winning filmmaker, director, writer, actor, and choreographer based in New York City. She's also a classically trained ballet dancer and costume designer. Fun fact, I first worked with Breton when she was a costume designer on my short film, Launch at Paradise. Her films have won over 100 awards, and we loved hearing about the process of making two of those films, Delusione and Invicta. Her acting credits include Manifest, Gossip Girl, Billions, Divorce, and The Nick, alongside Clive Owen. Breton is a true multi-hyphenate, and it was so cool to hear her story about creating her own work and learning so many aspects of filmmaking in the process, including editing, directing, writing, and costume design. Her thoughts on how she stays positive within the ups and downs of the industry have stayed with me since this conversation, and we know you'll love listening. Enjoy! welcome brenton
2: hello lauren Alyssa. how's it going
0: good thank you so much for joining us we're really excited to chat with you today thank you for having me i'm excited
1: yes we also excited so we always start asking this larger question what is currently inspiring you
2: spring <laughs> the hope of spring it's like it's not quite there yet but um The the weather, the light, the motion, the energy of that is inspiring. I think lots of projects to be moving or completed, and new things to start. So I think just that fresh energy um, seasonally, especially after the past three years, is um, is definitely getting to me in a good way.
1: Oh yes, definitely. We were just talking a little bit offline about how the weather's starting to warm up a little bit, and people are going outside again, and. Yeah, I I totally totally agree with that. Spring is inspiring. Yes.
0: Um yeah, winter seems to just drag on for so long in this city.
1: <laughs>
0: I know, we didn't even have
2: like an intense one and I was like ready for it. I'm I've been ready for it to be done since November. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Hey, anytime you guys need some sunshine, you want to come visit in LA. Mm. You let me
2: know. Very tempting.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yes, definitely.
0: Um, cool. So, Breton, you are an actor, director, choreographer. You do so many things and are involved in so many different areas of the industry. And I'm just so curious about your story and where it all began.
2: Sure. I was born on the moon. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Well, it's funny because I it's I enjoy talking about this piece um, for different interviews, sort of about like my trajectory and how I came to filmmaking. But I, I grew up in a house that was built in 1902 that was filled with all kinds of like antiques that were family, you know, owned that were not sort of part of the family lineage. Um, and I just think those objects had such a charge, but also like I grew up around lots of design elements and historical architecture that all had sort of this, this narrative, this lineage, um, behind its creation. And I think that, um, had such a profound influence on my interest in time travel. Um, I mean, I was playing dress up as a young kid in like lots of dead people's vintage clothing. Um, and I think just that, that connection to different time periods and the, um, the ability to have like a costume just transform me creatively, um, whether I'm performing or I'm writing or directing. I think that all goes into my appreciation for how to utilize all these elements to, to tell a story. Um, so I think that's, that's a little bit how I grew up. I was kind of raised by urban hippies um, in this very sort of artistic household that was filled with lots of instruments. Um, most of my family members paint um, they were all, you know, singers or musicians at a time. Um, lots of dancers and actors, lots of crazy people in the family. <laughs> so I think it was just sort of, um, expression and narrative were, were part of my daily experience from a young child.
0: That's so cool. Um, and at what point did you start dancing?
2: Oh my gosh, probably when anybody could like, watch and i was probably yelling at them to watch um i mean i was. i mean at two i was like jumping on sofas and running around putting on shows saying watch me watch me um Aww. probably like half naked in some costume i'd put together or something um so at some really young age and i was like i begged my parents i think for like serious lessons for a long time and i started at four and then they you know, they sort of put me into like YMCA tap at six and I was not too pleased with that. I wanted like really serious ballet lessons. Um, so we sort of had a deal that I would do like community dance for a year. And then I was kind of like, you know, all right guys, time's up, let's go. Um, (laughs) after a year of that. And then that's kind of when like serious ballet school started around like seven, seven or eight. Um, yeah, but I was always like flinging my body and flying around that house. Um, And and loving it, too. Um, I played a lot of sports, too, as a kid. So just, like, a very physical person.
1: Cool. Cool. I love that. Just, (laughs) it's it's very, I'm sure, resonates with a lot of listeners, too, right? Like, as a young kid, you know, just needing to express yourself. I love, I I also used to, like, put on shows as a little kid, probably in all sorts of crazy dressed, -dressed (laughs) half-dressed states of costumes and clothing. So, yes. Yes. I love it. I, I love, love that.
0: that. That's so cute. Um, and did I see that you did a choreography lab for Waitress?
2: Um, yeah, I had the pleasure of working with Lauren Lataro on that for a year, um, which was really exciting just to watch how, how a show gets built, like how a Broadway show gets built and you know, those choreographers really have to be on their toes and having just like these huge numbers ready to go to turn around back to back to try something new. If the director's like, it's not working, we need to see something else. Um, and just all the moving pieces of like a large scale ensemble that make up like, whether it's 12 numbers or 24 numbers. Um, it's just, I have a lot of respect for people that build that. So there's, there's so much density that has to be like quick, entertaining, um, in real time, very diff
0: you know, in some ways it's very different than film. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that's amazing. Sorry I kind of jumped ahead. It's fine. <laughs> my, te-
2: my teenage self says thank you. <laughs> it's totally <laughs> fine.
0: Yeah, no. Um my husband worked on waitress for many oh. years since the first reading. So amazing. I, okay. Probably that. crossed paths at some point. Probably yeah. yes. yes. Very um, cool. cool. Um, okay, so your dance background kind of led you to choreography. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and you teach now at BDC. What brought you to acting?
2: You know, it's funny because I think I'm more public about that piece of my like journey, interest, appetite now. But when I look back, I've been doing that probably since I was like making up stories when I was like in nursery school at four years old. And coming in with some accessory, making up some other story about whatever I was wearing and where it was from and where I was going. Um, So in all transparency, I think I've been doing that from a very young age. And I I also came up in the ballet world when really lavish, you know, three-act productions that were incredibly theatrical was totally part of of that time in that era. Um, And the modernization and like the athleticism um, and the minimalism hadn't quite sort of taken over. Um, and so acting was such a part of being on stage as a, as a young kid, whether it was in like Nutcracker or, um, Swan Lake or, or Gisela, whatever those ballets were, there was, it was all story ballets that I was exposed to as a young age. So we were expected to act very much in those, um, arenas and that's on like, you know, opera scale stages. Um, so you're, you know, you're, you're being asked to project a lot of energy as a young person. Um, but I, I also did some musicals um, as a young kid where we were expected to act and sing and dance to. Um, and then I would just say the piece of like, I, I don't know, I kind of think we all act to get through. Um, I think that's just part of all the different roles we play and the different people we interact with at times. So it's, it always feels like the origin that was never, um, quite on display for me. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's part of it. And then just, um, there was a time where I wanted I wanted to speak as a performer. I wanted mm-hmm. to use that piece of of myself and use those tools to fully express myself and not just be a silent dancer, uh, verbally in that way. So I think that was kind of the the appetite and the reach um, for new narratives what, that I was I was choreographing them. But I wanted I wanted sort of um, a fuller a fuller plate to express them.
1: Yes, that's so beautifully said. Um, to go back to, to the beginning of what you said, too, that when you were describing, you know, that feeling when um, you were a kid, right, and that sense of just like, you know, taking on different personas and dressing up and telling stories, it just kind of reminds me of like, why we all do this in the first place. And I, I was having a conversation with a friend about this recently, right? Isn't the whole point of being an actor is you just get to go play, and just make shit up and nobody cares. Right. Like (laughs) that's, that's just coming back to the joy of it. Right. What we should be doing all the time. So I just, I love that you, you talked about that. And I think it's something, you know, even as adults, it's hard to remember that, right. Like why we, why we love doing this so much Um, because it is all play and it is all creating stories and believing them in the moment. And That's so interesting, too, the piece about wanting to have words as well to express stories, not just through dance. Uh, I think that's actually a cool transition to talk about the films that you have directed, choreographed, and acted in some as well. Could you tell us kind of the process that transitioned into to making your own, I I don't know if I'm saying this right, and please correct me if I'm wrong, kind of dance films or or films incorporating movement?
2: Sure. Sure. I, so I, I flashed on like two moments visually in particular when you, when you said, um, these things sort of like the entree, how we, how I became involved with them. But I mean, dance in motion is definitely my, was my entree to filmmaking, but I, I've been a photographer my whole life since I was a young kid, um, Mm -hmm. shooting film. And then I, I did that professionally at times for other artists and for like dance companies for the promotional materials sort of before Instagram had taken off before there was like this digital medium to share. And people were still doing like you know posters and websites were like really important at the time and um, flyers and um, so I think motion plus photography was definitely my inroads to filmmaking and it, it wasn't something that I was um, planning to pursue. But then I also remember being on sets as a dancer um, for these movies in LA, and it was it was like really exciting to me because they'd fly us out, you know, a couple times. To, to shoot all these different scenes, and what was so funny about it is that they were all like New York street scenes being shot on these like LA lots, um, which is just like really entertaining. But um, I remember, I remember getting to set the first day and watching the sets be built, and then watching the cameras come in, and then talking with like the lighting designers and the wardrobe stylists and and the makeup artists. And I was I was far more fascinated by the accumulation of Artists on the team making this product, and making the film, than I was in the um, rehearsals as a dancer with the choreographers. <laughs> so I think, and I remember the director would come in, and I would just study the director and study what they were watching um, from our choreography rehearsals um, in the studios before we got to set, and then like watch how they would interact. With but I was just so, I was so enamored at watching um, the playback of these like enormous dance scenes we're in, and that moment I kind of knew. I, I had this appetite far beyond I was just I was obviously more interested in everything the accumulation than just um, just the dance on set so there's that piece but also I um there are live shows that I ran when I first moved to New York as a, like sort of the beginnings of, of what's now my production company Bretton Follies but that was sort of a only a, a live performance company and um, my experience like working with photographers as a subject and being a photographer I was sort of in this place where I just wanted to make things move. I wanted, I wanted to generate revenue. I wanted more butts in the seats. We needed to sell tickets. I needed it all to move. I think I probably never said that out loud, but the urgency of motion took me into making trailers for these shows instead of using still images to advertise them. And this is still like, this is like when people were kind of just starting to pay attention to Instagram and, and that it worked. People came to the show because they saw like video content, like very bad video content on, um, on Instagram and so what I did was that I didn't love um I didn't love the lighting at the location I didn't have a lot of like options for the lighting where we were doing the show so I took the characters in their costumes and I would film them like you know in the hallway of my building um in the staircase in the in the basement where the laundry was and I was finding all these sets and I was I was very much um that's a piece of me I've probably like never let go of just coming out of like ballet world where it was all about about like story ballets and, you know, we'd have three set changes in one act. Um, that, that piece, that narrative piece was so, um, important to me. So I think I went looking for that outside of the barren stage that was sort of becoming the ballet world in terms of like minimalistic sets, minimalistic costumes. Um, and so I think those trailers along with like being on set as a dancer kind of led me, into filmmaking um and then people would say hey do you want to do you know let's do a photo shoot and i was like no i don't want to do a photo shoot i want to i want to make a movie i want to try something new and push myself a little bit and then that's so all those characters that i built for brett and Follies, the wardrobe that all sort of morphed into taking them off the stage and into different environments whether it was like a barber shop or you know standing on the street corner on like 135th street um so yeah that's like the long and the short a little bit of of how it sort of turned into this film cinematic expression.
1: Wow. That is so cool. Yeah. That's really amazing that you were
0: able to sort of adapt the medium to benefit the other medium that you were working in. And then it became its own thing and you have your own production company. That's really amazing. And, you know, at the time, really innovative. And I think that's so cool, too, that you were able to kind of leverage the popularity that Instagram was gaining at the time. Um, Hmm. And now everything is reels, everything is film based. So that's, that's so amazing. It's almost like you were before your time. (laughs) Thanks. I
2: appreciate it. And just like, I mean, not that I want to shout out Instagram anymore, but I guess I'm going to, um, I mean, Instagram was how I first even learned about like film festivals. I think there was a one in particular from Romania that followed me that was like fashion centric because I was sort of, I would do the wardrobe for these early shows because we didn't have any budget. And I didn't, I just didn't want like this homogenous dance kind of look where everyone wears the same costume, regardless of like their proportions, their, their features their coloring, like what looks best on them. Um, and so I was already doing stuff that was sort of leaning towards that anyways. And, but yeah, Instagram helped me sort of find these festivals and also just um, have them find me and then learn about, just learn about the industry, like learn about the film industry and connect with other people. Um, so I think I have to say it's actually been a really um, invaluable
0: tool.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. And, Something I really admire about you, Breton, because we've known each other for a few years now is just how really you, you, I think you use this word adaptable, like how many things that you know how to do in this industry. You know, there's people who know um, maybe a lot about one area of the business. I feel like you know a lot about many areas of the business, which is so cool. Um, I met you first through Daniel Matura, who was also a guest on this podcast, also a great friend. Uh, Shout out to Daniel. Shout out to Daniel. And you were, yeah, you were the uh, costume designer on our film Launch at Paradise. And then as I got to know you, I was like, oh, wow. She does so many things. She's a choreographer. She's a director. She's an amazing actor. Like all these things. Can you just kind of tell us like what, what inspired you to just kind of start to learn about all these different aspects of the industry?
2: Well, thank you for your very, very kind words. Um, I'm like smiling and shaking my head a little bit, but thank you. Um, <laughs> True. I mean, you know, the, the kid in me would just say, well, I get bored easily. Um, mm-hmm. And that's part of it. But you know, my curiosity, I, I love to make things better. I always want what I'm making to be, improving. It always has to get better. I think, Mm. um, for me, honestly, to stay engaged, I need to be challenged and I just, I need to feel, I don't make it for, um, the ego or the vanity. I really make it, um, I think for the experience. And so that's probably what drives a lot of, of my, my appetite and interest to learn and push things. But there's also like very functional practical moments where, um, people weren't giving me what I wanted or needed artistically whether it was like a role or the opportunity to to like have the right costumes or do the lighting or um and so i think you know that's what kind of builds that entrepreneurial sort of creative director um overview of things is that is that you just care you just care so much about all the elements you can use to communicate and i remember when i started doing wardrobe um and costumes like styling specifically for stage i saw it as this place of um such a lost opportunity at times for, for, um, for dance shows really to tell their story, um, to do something that was unique and, um, specialized to the cast and the creative team. So I think that's probably, I just, I love detail too. So I, I always have an eye and an appetite for, um, for polishing things. I think that's, that's part of it. And it also, it feeds, it feeds me creatively that there's, there's always something more to improve on or to look at, but I think, um, gosh i mean there are other times too where like um especially with movement motion and dance it in my experience it's not easy to find someone who understands how to best edit that from all all vantage points meaning what is the dance world or what is the fashion world going to appreciate most in those edits and cuts and and how is someone who's not from that world thinking about editing Mm -hmm. um and so that's really how i got into editing is because i was in situations where we didn't have budget or I'd spent the budget on the wrong editor um, who was trying to like dupe me and didn't know what they were doing and was wasting my money and wasting my time. But, but they weren't because the real lesson was um, that I wanted something so specific. And you know, then then it's like, well, okay. Then you got to learn how to, how to bring your vision to life if you're not getting it from somebody else. But it also teaches you to be, you know, to not rely on other people to finish a project. Um, And there's many times where, just other people's energy, they like to throw up roadblocks. Um, and I am all about motion surprise as a dance background and I love to keep things rolling and moving forward. I, I, I get high on that. Um, and I'm also just very aware of like the passage of time. So I, um, I think that was the, one of the key motivators to just learn how to do things that I didn't know. Um, and also just accepting that like, that is literally what's going to happen for me forever. Um, is I'm just going I'm going to keep learning new things and learning how to get better at whatever I'm doing or whatever interests me and then being open to that instead of sort of being like stressed out about it um but I would also say acting <laughs> comes back as the origin of I don't want to say fake it till you make it but like well you know you wake up and I don't know how to do this today but I'm going to figure it out um or I'm going to and I think there's sort of an acting mentality to that in some ways too I mean yeah. there's obviously you know like there's functional ways where it's like you, you can't act your way through editing but but you can have the confidence and the courage to, to sort of dive in and also just to ask questions from people. Like I, um, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty bold and honest about that, and I, I really don't um, discriminate who I, I ask for knowledge or information based on anything other than like their kindness and their generosity and their knowledge base, and I think that has um, served me well that I don't, I don't sort of decide I'm not going inter- to interact with these people based on age or race or gender. Um, I'm just kind of interested in um, how much we appreciate making things. So mm-hmm. I think those pieces kind of have sort of guided me.
1: Wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes to all of that. And it just speaks to, to so much of what I know about you. This confidence is just... Uh, this is why you're one of the coolest people I know. And I mean that sincerely. Like if, if anyone ever walks a red carpet with Breton, they will know confidence is like your, your middle name because.
2: I'm like, like I said,
0: acting, <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> acting,
0: acting, acting like confident.
1: Acting <laughs> confident then. I don't know. It's, it's working. it's working.
2: Thank you. you I know. mean, I'm actually like a really shy person some of the time too, which is, might surprise people. But, um, but I think that comes from the performer. They're like very on off stage. I mean, I'm very comfortable performing. It's like the easiest thing. Other things are not as easy for me. So like if I'm in character, I can do anything. Um, so I, so, so a lot of time those red carpet moments, I try to, they're actually a little hard for me because they're like, there's this reality moment where I can't just have a costume. So I just tell myself I'm in a costume and then I pose or do whatever I have to do. But you' well, sorry yeah. you were saying
0: no. Yeah. I I mean, I love everything you said. I think um, something you said that was so inspiring was that a lot of people like to put up roadblocks, but you are – very invested in keeping the motion going. I mean, you said it far more beautifully than I just tried to butcher it, but I really love that notion of moving things forward and not relying on other people and being resourceful and honestly scrappy and figuring it out. Um, it just made me think back to so many of my own projects that waited on some editor of some type to get done um, and it never occurred to me that learning how to edit is myself would even be an option. It was always, Oh, well, okay. I guess if this doesn't work out, then you need, then maybe somebody else can help out. Like that's just so incredible that in so many different aspects of your career, you have taken the initiative to learn how to do things on your own. And even like just thinking back to the pandemic, so which I guess we're still in not in anymore, <laughs> I guess, I like like, like weird in a weird place now, I guess, mm-hmm. um, yeah. like so many people kind of were forced to do that. Um, And if they didn't, it became tough to Mm -hmm. even create content when we were kind of all stuck in our homes. But you had already been doing that and already have all of these talents. And I think that's so cool that you can share your gifts in so many different ways on so many different types of projects. And I think that speaks to why you're always working on so many things. Um, That and, of course, your talent and your personality and being lovely to work with. Um, But that's just such a beautiful lesson, I think, for our listeners to hear and definitely for me. Um, I felt personally called out when you said other people like to put up roadblocks, frankly. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I, to be honest, I went through this like very recently and I, <laughs> because it was recent, I won't, won't say much more, but like just with collaborators and you can feel the energy on certain collaborations that, um, are longstanding and others that are not, and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it, it's mostly just about intuitively feeling the energy and then realizing either it's moving or it's not. Um, and it almost, you know, it almost doesn't even matter why it's not moving just to listen to it and honor it and then pivot Um, and to not be so attached to like how you think something's going to turn out or how, you know, how you want the team to be. Um, And not to say that I haven't sort of probably been just like heartbroken over, over things that I thought would go a certain way and didn't, but, but I've learned to like really, how fast can I let it go and then just be open to whatever sort of universe is presenting as the way it wants this project to to come through and sometimes, you know, they go quickly and other times they, I just finished a film that's, um, that's like about to come out this year. And it it took me like two years. Um, it was just so emotional for me. Um, the content of of editing this film and just like having it, you know, it had, I would say pandemic energy in it, on it, around it, the cast as well. And, um, it was heavy and took a long time and, and it was hard to, um, to finish, to see it through, but, but just like to honor that timeline. So sometimes they're quick and other times they're not. And, um, I think that's just kind of part of it. Um, or just going back and going, you know, this, this collaborator is not hearing me. Um, and, and sort of listening to your inner voice when other people are like, you know, I don't get your project or I don't like it, or I don't understand it. Or I just, I want to just talk. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's like, no, that's not, you know, if I wanted to talk, I'd have a talk show, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. No, I'm trying to make movies. So, um, so yeah, I think it's it's sort of about just like listening to the energy, um, yeah. almost like driving. I don't know. My brain says like driving race cars. You know, just keep keep moving, <laughs> keep it going.
1: Yeah. And that that takes a confidence too to be able to trust your vision and to say no, even if something you know on paper or the person you're working with seems to be really. Oh yeah, totally. Um, I catch or no, you, coming yeah, you or hit it her. on the
2: head. You totally yeah. hit it on the head, Lauren. I mean, those it was, that was interesting because there are people that I just happened to me like in different different fields actually throughout my life. Like people that I look up to, or people that are definitely like senior to me, um, and that teach me a lot. And then those relationships, like I expect them to stay in that format, and they expire. And I see um, how they're not a match anymore. How I've outgrown them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Although it's you know it's sort of meant to be, but at the time it can feel challenging. And realizing that that you have a vision beyond someone else's formula of how something should be done, and that that is the magic that's going to make the project great. It's not the formula. It's not that we've done it this way before. Um, right. But I have that luxury too because I, you know, I didn't train to be a filmmaker my whole life, but I understand motion and narrative and color and lighting and location in ways I think. Um, that sort of is to my benefit. Um, so I have sort of a different education, I think that I bring to the table.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. Do you tend to have a group of collaborators you work with as your default people?
2: I think as a choreographer, I used to, um, At this point, I think it's, I'm, I'm like really pleasantly surprised that as a filmmaker, it just keeps branching out. Um, I, I sort of can be very devout to certain DPs and I'm just learning that um, there's lots of talent out there and, you know, just like a great show has like a certain chemistry to it in terms of like, what's the plot? Where is it set? Um, The same thing can be true of the team. So I'm, I'm really excited to be actually, to be working with all different kinds of people right now. Um, And for me, sometimes like the metronome is the DP, the DPs that I like to work with. And I know I can bring them in on these projects that are so different based on, you know, who's writing, who's producing, what's the tone we're going for. Um, But I would say like motion is definitely a key piece of all the movies that are sort of um, in pre-production right now, whether I'm like writing or directing. So I think there is that, if that could be like a collaborator, if that's a, a common yeah. uh, denominator that's there. Um, but I also think, you know, pandemic just, ex- it sort of accelerated things, it stopped things, it scrambled things. Um, at least in the New York community, for me, um, people that that I worked with for years all dispersed. I mean, we all did and went all different places and have have really moved in completely different um, life directions. So that, that core for me sort of doesn't... Um, the old court, it doesn't exist for me anymore, to be honest, as a collection of energy because so much changed in New York, especially, um, you know, throughout the world too. Um, and then I changed. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. So there's some people that maybe if it's the right project, the right, somebody who understands maybe the particular tone or somebody, you know, who's worked on a similar project before that maybe might be a go-to DP, but then, I'm also hearing you say that you're open to shaking it up and just working with new people who you vibe with and uh, completely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I mean I think that's just sort of like that's for me, that's my personal truth of the past three years, five years with pandemic. Um is like just to be honest that it's all shifted and changed and then, you know, almost like a fire. And then you have mm-hmm. this ash that's fertile to grow a forest again and to just to be, to see it as a gift of the possibility of like coming in contact with new energies. And, and I think, to, you know, if we're being honest, it makes sense too because um, I'm not who I was like a week ago. I'm not who I was a year ago, three years ago. So the people that are going to be a match for me are constantly going to be shifting as well. And to, to not ask people that I, you know, that I aligned with previously, um, to not assume that I would in the future. I think I, I so devoutly like thought that for a time. Um, and then pandemic really challenged, I think all of us, all of our sort of ideas on what, um, what's constant and what's committed and especially in the arts community, we, you know, we all went through it. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I really love this growth mindset that you've cultivated. It's really cool. I appreciate
2: it. I mean, it's not, it doesn't always, you know, I have my roadblocks too, to be honest. It doesn't always, um. Flow so easily, but when it does, I'm like, okay, we're in this, okay, we're in the zone. We're going to just keep going and do as much as we can until, until like doubt or insecurities, you know, catch up and then you have to manage those and then go back to flowing. So.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. We all kind of have our demons mm-hmm. to work through yeah. <laughs> as well as artists. Um, But that's, I. you're giving me a lot to think about, to be honest, too. It's, seen as such a virtue, I think, to be loyal to people in this business. And I do believe that in most cases or many cases, I should say. But it's very interesting what you're saying too, that just because something has worked in the past doesn't mean that it'll work on something different and that you're always growing and changing. So finding new folks to work with can also be really illuminating. So... Yeah, yeah, no, I
2: appreciate. I, I appreciate you brought that up too. I feel like especially in New York, New York has that culture of like this presentation of loyalty, um, hmm. right? Yeah, but is, but that's not really always what's going on. And I think um, the spaces for me where that does exist, there re- it's it's totally built on relationships with people, um, especially through pandemic, and not based on like who worked with me on this job or this gig because it's really interesting to see who comes around when there appear to be no jobs (laughs) or like it, you know, or like just, it doesn't, doesn't feed or satisfy them immediately. And to me, those are the relationships where the loyalty also is, it's like a great, you know, it's like a great hug. It has to come from like both sides. It's not going to be me being loyal to people that that in fact are very much not in that space. Um, and I've learned that the hard way, like many times. (laughs) So, but I'm, I'm glad to have sort of, to have that, um, that understanding
1: yeah definitely yeah. definitely um thank you for for being so honest and just sharing sharing some of those experiences we we really appreciate sure. that on this podcast just that kind of that openness so thank you
2: yeah
1: yes. um, i mean i think I wanna, pandemic
2: pandemic sort of brought that to the forefront too you know it's like
1: totally yeah yeah totally yeah, I don't think we've even totally processed everything that happened the last, yeah, few years during the pandemic. Um, I was at a moment when you were talking about like kind of performative loyalty in New York. <laughs> I mean, I recently moved to yeah. LA, and I see a very similar performative loyalty <laughs> here too. So I don't know if that's just a New York specific thing. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing it on both both coasts.
2: Interesting, interesting. So it's like an entertain oh, I mean but I, I don't even think it's entertainment world. I think it's like I think it's in so many, um so, so many industries. Yeah. The adult the adults are like really ripe with their acting and the I feel like the kids are, are still being kids I mean like really young kids are still being somewhat real. And the adults yeah. are just like full on having they don't even realize it full on theatrical presentations all the time. I'm, oh. In whatever fields they're in. Um,
1: yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So <laughs> well, I want to talk about uh, your award winning films, so including Delusion and Invicta. Can you tell us about the making of those?
2: Sure. Um, well, Invicta was actually filmed first before a bunch of films that I put out, and it had. Oh the largest cast and it was the most complex in terms of, um, choreography and concept. And so I went to work editing these other films. I was like sitting on a bunch of footage. It was a very rich, um, collaboration with, um, that particular DP and Invictus is a little crazy because it, it's I started it and was like completely overwhelmed by what, to, how to weave together this like thing that I had built. Um, And then the drive, I was like, traveling in pandemic with my drives, like, like holding them like a crazy person. It's just like, they're like my children. And, um, you know, it's like, what do you need? You need a passport and your drives, you know, you're running out of a pandemic, and that's what you have on you. But, but the drive um, died twice. And I had to have it rebuilt, like, twice on the road, actually. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of how, um, like, the journey for Invicta. Yeah. It was just, and I, I was just, I fought for it. I was like, it's, I'm not going to give up. And, um, and that probably took like a couple years actually. Um, and, and so we shot Invicta in one day. Um, but I spent weeks rehearsing that with the cast, um, in in dance studios, basically like rehearsing what the material was going to be and doing lots of lineups for, um, the wardrobe and costume design and like taking people out of the cast that were like, that were, um, trying to steal the concept and like, you know, it was, uh, it was all the, all the things that are in the plot were sort of part of, um, the cat like New York experience, um, that went into making, and I think just dealing with that many people. But, and then, um, was, it's just two people. And I wasn't even supposed to be in it. Um, and it was supposed to be part of a larger film um but it was so striking that i decided it need to stand alone and one of my my longtime collaborators um who's so wonderful he had to get on a plane for a family emergency um wow. and so that's when i i went in and i was like well we have the space i have the dp you know it's like we shot that in five hours we have a day and i just i get these intuitive moments where people are like oh we can book it another and i'm like no you don't understand like right? this is the window the universe is giving us. We have to go now. Um, and I think that can like creep wow. some people out and other people like they really, they just understand it. Um, and I, I just get, I have like radar that goes off when when I feel like the window is closing for things and I need to take the opportunity or finish it, which is also very New York, but, but that's kind of how Delusione got made. Um, and I mean, I remember I even did, um, it was a really fast turnaround. The wardrobe styling I did, I think I had like two days to put to put it together for Luzione, Um which wow. was based on like the cool. DP's availability and like when we could get the space. Um, and you could just feel like this pressure cooker that's like just crunching and pushing you to be like, okay, we're doing this in like the next four days. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then when um, one of my favorite collaborators, he, he couldn't be there. I just, you just keep going. You're just like, okay, all right, I'm going to show up and I'll, here's three outfits. Okay, put it on, let's go. I mean, I remember standing like, in the bar holding up a dress that I wore on a red carpet going to the DP. What do you think? And he goes, that's a lot. And I'm like, okay, can, is it going to work? And he's like, let's try it. Um, so there's also stuff that's just like, so I would say, all about problem solving and off the cuff at times just to make it work. Um, which is, which for me was similar to how I would choreograph. Like if I, i come in with all my plans and it would, it would sort of be a waste of everybody's time. My best creativity was, um, was in the moment with the, with the structure, but it was always going to be in the moment on the spot. I would know what to do. And mm. um, so, so is a little bit like that. Um, and I had a great collaborator too. So it's, um, I'm so comfortable to, you know, when I, when I step out and I direct other people um, and I think because of that, that allowed for us to make something really rich in the short amount of time. Um, it's like my brain just goes so quickly and I can see all the shots for someone else um and that's that's really fun and enjoyable because you're just for me you're just like celebrating someone else's talent their individuality their angles their style and I'm always like I have such an appetite for that because you know I I I have a very particular body particular energy I look a certain way and while I can play a myriad of characters it's like there's still you know parameters with my 510 frame I shouldn't say the parameters but like I love to work with so many other people that look completely different than I do, that sound differently, that move differently. To me, that's like, that's really exciting. So, so in fact, Invicta has that. I'm not in Invicta. Um, it was really just, um, it was a blast to direct and to edit and then DeLuzioni I'm, I'm in. Um, and I'm actually, I'm really proud of that film. I did the edit for that as well. Um, and it, (laughs) the other piece I'll share not to be too long winded, but was that, um, Delusione got cut in half i had a producer who who was a long time sort of um mentor tell me he he just was like this is crap (laughs) and and um i trusted him and i was like i can't i cannot see what you're talking about but i'm going to give it a go because the thing about this is like you can always go back you can always put it we can put the film back even if you hack it up um and so i don't don't think everybody feels that way but sometimes but i always remind myself and like I can always just unsave the project, you know? Um and um yeah, and so I think again I had like gosh probably two or three days to to redo that edit. Um and and then send it off. And it I don't know, sometimes under pressure I do (laughs) well. Um so yeah, that's a little about those and I don't know, they've I am. Um, I never had like a vision for those films to win awards, to be honest. I just like wanted to share them, um, and I guess that's what happened. And they've like they've gone all over the world, and which is really exciting because they're they're sort of un, to me they're sort of like unusual in certain ways. Like I don't know if people think they're weird or strange or unique, um, but they're just they're really just me. Like they're all the things I love in terms of historical architecture and um, bad behavior. I would say I'm I'm always like interested in people that are well-dressed behaving badly um Mm. just that that contrast is always like really honest to me of their their vanity and their luxury um but then like the more raw humanistic behaviors that come out in those sort of like quote-unquote elegant spaces I, I like that contrast and they um Invicta definitely has that
1: oh wow that's so cool um I uh, I'm excited now to actually go back and I've, I've seen both of these films, but it's been a minute. So I'm excited to go back now and watch them again through the lens (laughs) of what you were just talking about. The drama,
2: Uh, the drama, trauma production lens.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like we're getting like the, the directors inside, uh, inside the episode here kind of thing. And it's, that's really, really cool to hear the thought process behind both of these films. Um, Wow. It's just, it's amazing and inspiring. I lo- the it's
2: the jumping. Very in, Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. The jumping in, you know, at a moment's notice to act in a film that you would not plan to act in. Gosh, just, I feel like what we keep coming back to with you, just how ad- adaptable is just the word I keep thinking of. That's incredible.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's super kind it's so funny that you said that because that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> is that, is, is that, that just brings me, that's something that I'm hearing and everything you're talking about is yeah, how adaptable you are um, and how you're able to make lemonade with lemons <laughs> and just out of lemons. I said that weird. Um, yeah, yeah. You said and, like <laughs> lemon and I was like, I understand. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Like you get it, but I didn't say it exactly right. Yeah. Um, yeah and I think that's so cool and so admirable, and I can't wait to check out these films. We'll definitely put them in the show notes. Thank you. I appreciate it.
1: yeah so we are we are coming up to uh, almost out of time to to end us though I'd just be curious to hear your this last thoughts on. How do you stay positive in the midst of, you know, maybe those roadblocks or there's moments of self-doubt, like what, what are some maybe tools or things that you could do for yourself just to, to stay afloat?
2: Sure. I mean, for me, it's, it's a mix of like being artistically engaged is the float getting to work on projects, whether they're my own or other projects. It, that's what keeps me going 100%. But I also like, not to sound too cliche, but um if I ever get a if things get a little, you know, morose or negative or dark. I, um, I instantly remind myself just to practice gratitude. Um, and that, mm-hmm. that, you know, verbally and energetically, um, re- that, that can really shift it for me to be honest, or I catch myself. Um, cause like I'm very judgmental of myself, very critical of my work and, or like where I'm at in life. Is it enough? Is it this? Is it that? Is it, you know, are we where I want to be? Cause my brain can see ahead and it's like, yeah, but my body can't. My body can't run as fast as my brain wants to. Um, mm. And I think sunshine, and that makes me so New York, as I sit here in like all black clothing. <laughs> but like, mm. if you can just get to the sun, it kind of can change. It can turn the day, you know. And just to have, especially through the past few years, just to like sit in the sun, feel that on your body, on your being, um, and just like have gratitude for that. That feeling, that moment. At least for me, that's kind of like you know, that's like sunning the, sunning the energy. Um, I think more and more I, um, it's about self, um, reinforcement and reflection and not being too dependent on other people's positive reinforcement or negative critiques, because, you know, for me at the end of the day, I have to live with my own assessment of myself, of my work. Um, and if I'm dependent on someone else's opinion, um, that leaves me pretty vulnerable and sort of disconnected from how I, I actually see myself in my work. And I think, you know, there's a million opinions and viewpoints out there. So I think, however, um, hard, I think that is actually the, the strongest sort of reinforcement. I mean, that's not to say too that like my dad who knows he's known my work, you know, obviously forever. Um, my trajectory, if I'm really stuck on an edit, I'll, Harass him and tell. What do you think, John? What do you think? Look at this. Look no, this one or that one or this one. And so we've had. And he's there's a couple times where I was just like, I think I should just burn it in the fireplace. <laughs> and um, to be to be transparent. And um, and he's like, no, he's like, or, P- or P- I would get people's opinions um before a film had been released, and that would become problematic. But usually, um, my dad would keep me on track if I kind of was veering. So I think. That um, having like one person who can help you when you can't see, um, and and understands your work is is like you know kind of so special, um, and and really a lifesaver just to get you through moments. Where, I mean, it's like because we've been staring at one film. I you know I have a new film coming out called West of Frank. Um, I've been staring at that film for two years, haunting me. Um, so sometimes you just can't see straight, and you have to just kind of keep pushing through with what you think your roadmap is from your, your intuition, I think. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I didn't give you too long-winded of an answer.
1: No, not at all. I love, love all of that. Uh, it's just, I, I think so much of what you said certainly resonates with me. Uh, I'm sure it will resonate with many of our listeners. Yeah, how important it the importance of having even just one person who believes in you and having that person be... And th- that same person, I should say, be an outside eye for your work. Somebody who, you know, champions you no matter what, but also can have uh, just uh, thoughts that aren't yours on stuff you're working on, that outside eye. I, I love that so much. Um, truthfully, uh, Alyssa is that person for me. Aww, um, so that's, that's
2: beautiful. Really- I love that.
1: Yeah. Um, so it's just, yeah, that was really, that was just made me think a lot. And Yeah. yeah and like
2: having someone that you know is coming from like a supportive positive place because I've had other people like try to kind of quote-unquote advise and there's like there's just way too much agenda in it but having someone who just right but like you know like you two having someone that just um has known you so long and celebrates your it's almost like they don't even celebrate the work they celebrate your desire to make it it's like it's, yes. it's it's like beyond the edit or beyond the show it's just about like the dreamiest vision it's almost like that's the positivity that helps it float forward instead of like you know me being like well is it this edit or that edit john you know and um and sort <laughs> right. of that the, the vision takes over and determines those little moments but i love that y'all have that that's beautiful
0: yes yes oh my gosh Lauren, you're that person for me too mm-hmm. um and Yeah, I love how you spoke of all that and everything you just said. That's so beautiful. And I really love how you spoke of having a gratitude practice. Um, There's so much science around that being really important and meaningful in terms of your general happiness and um, just okayness being in the world. So that's really – important to hear, even though it can sound cliche. Um, And yeah, it's just been so lovely speaking to you and learning more about you. You are so accomplished and I love your attitude about everything. And I love how you're so focused on motion and movement. It makes so much sense based Mm -hmm. on your dance and choreo background. So, Thank you so much for chatting with us.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you both. Thank you for having me. I'm like I'm like let's keep going more, but I know <laughs> we got we got to we got to end.
1: <laughs> I know. No, part part par 2 perhaps in the future. Okay. But Sounds like yes, a Yes, no. Echoing everything. Thank you so much, Bretton.
2: Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you so much for listening. We always love hearing from you. You can email us at positivecreativitypodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at positivecreativitypodcast. And for more info on our guest today, please view the show notes. Join us next time on Positive Creativity Podcast.